1: Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend, request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week, but I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's book to read online at Ogdenkraut.com that's O G D E N K-R-A-U-T dot com that's O G D E N K-R-A-U-T dot com Welcome to the program. Today is july sixteenth, two thousand and twenty one. We're going to be continuing on with Part 2 of Chapter 7 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 6, Views and Perspectives. We'll be on pages 103 to 116. Uh, The chat room is open and available for people for questions or comments uh, at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentallymormon. And this uh, program with the text is on the different Facebook groups, LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, and other groups, uh, as well as my different Facebook pages. You can find all of the information for all of the pages that I admin at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977 and And on that wall as well, I posted the text for this with the links and everything. Uh, You can find the links to get to the radio show and the chat rooms and the phone numbers and all of that. And this will be uploaded to iTunes later on, uh, iTunes podcasts. So anyway, uh, we will be covering pages 103 to 116. And uh, this is going to be split up. This whole chapter is pretty long. So we're doing it in three parts. Uh, The program that I did for the 15th, which actually started just before midnight last night because I accidentally slept way too long. Um, Today's, you know, I got last night off. So and I stayed awake all day uh, until like 4 p.m. Uh, because of the uh, contractors that were coming over to look at the house to uh, fix some things that needed to be fixed. So uh, I thought, you know, okay, well, I'll just get a couple of hours of sleep and then I'll get up and do the radio show. Well, that didn't work out quite the way I planned it. So I got up at like 11.30 p.m. and my wife came to bed and woke me up. And I was like, "Uh, oh, what time is it? <laughs> so then i i went downstairs and hurry, hurried up and got the radio program at least started before the end of the 15th of july so that i could do the program for today as well cuz if i do one radio program before midnight then i can do another one the next day but if i would have started it after midnight then i would have lost the airtime for that day so anyway let me just uh dedicate the program and then we're going to be talking about true and false agents of the priesthood. So it should be an interesting show, and we're glad that you can uh, tune in to listen. Um, and then we'll see where we get. But like I said, this will be part two of chapter seven of Holy Priesthood, volume six. O oh God, the Eternal Father, we have thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to accept this time that we dedicate unto thee to study these things out to question things that need to be questioned so that we can realize that we need to stop trusting in the flesh and actually turn to thee to know the truth we thank thee father for giving us the scriptures and for the principles of the gospel and the principles of thy laws and the scriptures that we may learn to be obedient to thy will that we may be tools in thine hand to bring about zion's redemption we love thee father and we ask that all the listeners are blessed with thy spirit as as we all listen and learn together Uh, father i also ask thee a special blessing upon my wife that she will be comforted and that a solution will be found to keep us in this home Despite some of the structural problems that seem to be part of this house that they might be able to be fixed that that would not be an extra burden upon us and that we will be able to get the loan so that we can move into our so that we can stay in this home and not have to find another place to live, we really are thankful for being able to live here the last year and a half and we're thankful for our the ability that we've had to do fencing and raise goats and chickens, and just to have a place for our family to live and to dwell and to be happy and to have our experiences as a family together in this home. We love thee, Father, and we ask for thy blessings to be upon us, and we say these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. True and false agents. Oh, Emmett, um, so let's do the thing that we did yesterday. Well, I read a page, and then I comment, and then you read a page. And then you can comment, or I'll comment, and we'll just switch back and forth between pages. And then if you have to like do something, just let me know, and I will just continue reading until you're able to get back. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. And by the way, everybody, this is my 15-year-old son, the Goatmaster, who is also known as Emmett. And uh, he is going to help me with the reading for today. So, all right. Uh, He also has the studio open in front of him, and I have it open in front of me. So we can see pretty quickly that we have callers or that we have, um, you know, somebody in the chat room. So we'll keep them an eye on those things. True and false agents, agents of the priesthood, similar to men with any other kind of authority, can be oppressive, offensive, cruel, and even wicked. The prophet Joseph Smith soon learned that almost all men will rule with unrighteous dominion. See Doctrine and Covenants section 121, verse 39. This has been... Uh, proved over and over again throughout history it happened in the catholic church with men who supposedly held the keys originally given to peter in the 13th century a new order was established called the inquisition which held trials on those suspected of heresy when one when one accused of heresy was brought before the inquisition confession and repentance might result in only a token punishment for instance the making of a pilgrimage if the accused remained obstinate in his heresy he was delivered to the civil authorities for punishment because the state considered heresy a civil offense offense the methods used by the inquisition were comparable to those of civil courts of the time but were barbaric according to modern standards The defendant was denied counsel. Testimony of heretics and excommunicates was admitted against him. Cruel tortures were often used to extort a confession. Punishment took forms of imprisonment or death, usually being burned alive at the stake, with confiscation of the condemned property in either case. Although reliable figures are difficult to obtain, it is known, for example, that during the the 1239 AD year in France, 183 persons were burned at the stake. Uh, Bernard Goy, one of the most uh, persecuted in southern France in his register between uh, 1249 and 1258 AD, shows no verdict of acquittal in the trial of 200 suspects goy's lifetime record of convictions totaled 930 of whom 47 were bur- burned and 307 were sentenced to prison all 930 had their proper- properties confiscated american american peoples encyclopedia volume 10 Page two hundred and sixty-four. So they, you know, if they wanted somebody's property, all they had to do was accuse them of heresy, and then have, um, have court and accuse them. uh, You know, they're guilty. Let's take all their stuff and kill them. Just, you know, this is extreme wickedness, and this is not what Christ ever. He never said anything about inquisitions. Like, and the other thing too. What right does a church have over the people who are in it? The only right that they have is whether they're in it or out of it, they can kick you out for any reason they want. It's their church. Get over it if you can. But they don't have the right to kill you for that. You know, the LDS church back in, in the day before the internet, they had co- uh, you know, the fundamentalists would have cottage meetings and they'd get together or even just regular members. And they would send their little spies over the bishopric or the state presidency to to gather the license plate numbers of cars that were at the uh, the place of the suspected cottage meeting. And then they would turn it over to the police to find out what the records were, which is like a separation of church and state. Anyone like these people are not breaking the law and you are, you are oppressing their first amendment rights and you think that's okay and you say and i'm talking directly to the lds church uh you say that the constitution is next to scripture because it was inspired by god but then you go against the constitution in your oppression against people who are trying to learn and you know what for just for the you know uh, treating the Book of Mormon lightly and the former commandments in 1832 you as a church were placed under condemnation well how much more condemnation are you going to receive by doing the things that you do it's disgusting and it needs to stop and it actually kind of has stopped the, the examples that I'm giving now because we can do these radio shows we can go worldwide they know who I am. They know where I live. Uh, I think they might not know where I live because I'm pretty but there's nothing. There's no like where I live. Um, it's just I've done things in a certain way so that nobody knows where I live. No records nothing. Okay, so but um, we can do these radio shows and people in the church lots of people in the church will listen to these radio shows but then this also goes out worldwide i mean we've had uh people from russia from china from singapore uh, bangladesh madagascar australia all over africa uh, the continent of africa europe north and south america and you know what the internet goes down to antarctica You know, it's completely feasible that um, that we've even had people listening to us in Antarctica at the uh, government posts or whatever. But this goes out worldwide. And guess what? You can't stop it. And even if even if you stopped me, somebody else will rise up in my place. And they'll probably do a better job at it than I do. I mean, I do it because I've been told to do it, but I can totally see how people there there are better qualified candidates out there to, that could give this information out um, as far as like uh, oratory and, you know, because I, I don't know anyway, but they might not have the revelations and the visions and be able to talk about those things, but at least they can expose. The changes in doctrine and the changes in, you know, who Jesus is and who Jehovah is and the changes in the temple and the endowments and the washings. And if anybody can do that if they take the time to study these things out. And then if they got a good voice and they can read well, you know, they could do the job that I'm doing uh, as far as like educating the people. So, anyway henry lee compiled an extensive three-volume work on the history of the inquisition following its development throughout many nations and the effect it had upon the people and the church he gives an incident which probably describes the general effect of the inquisition as it went throughout europe quote thus the inquisition triumphed as force will generally do when it is sufficiently strong skillfully applied, and systematically continued without interruption to the end. In the 12th century, the south of France had been the most civilized land of Europe. There, commerce, industry, art, science had been far in advance of the age. The cities had won virtual self-government, were proud of their wealth, strength, and jealous of their liberties the self-sacrifice and self-sacrificing in their patriotism the nobles for the most part were cultivated men poets themselves or patrons of poetry who had learned that their prosperity depended on the prosperity of their subjects and that municipal liberties were a safeguard rather than a menace to the wise uh, to the wise ruler the crusade Crusaders came and their unfinished work was taken up and executed to the bitter end by the Inquisition. It left a ruined and impoverished country with shattered industry and failing commerce. Uh, we're on page 105. Go ahead, Emma. Okay. Page
2: 10. Okay.
1: <coughs> oh.
2: Um which word did you read to, Commerce? The, mo- the native nobles were broken by confiscation and replaced by strangers who occupied the soil, introducing the harsh, the harsh customs of northern feudalism, or the despotic, er, despotic principles of Roman law. In the extensive domains acquired by the crown, a people of rare natural gifts had been tortured, decimated, humiliated, Despoiled for a century and more The uh, Precocious civilization Which had promised to lead Europe In the path of culture was gone And to Italy was transferred the honor of the renaissance In return for this Was unity of faith in a church Which had been hardened and er, Vitilated And Sacralized In the strife In the strife Such was the work and such the outcome of the Inquisition in the field which afforded it the widest scope for its activity and the fullest opportunity for developing its powers. A history of the Inquisition of the Middle Ages. Uh, I don't know if... I'm going to say chapter 2, 109 to 110.
1: Uh, Volume. Okay, I don't know about that one. Volume (laughs) 2. Pages one hundred nine to one hundred ten. Okay, so um, there's a uh, there's pictures in the book that Emma has of the. Uh, what are you looking at, Emma? Because I'm reading this online in my reader program. You have the book. Yes,
2: um, they are instruments of torture. Uh, there's this one of those things that stretch people out. Uh, there are... The yeah, rat? ...looking things with spikes on them. Yeah, there's that.
1: There... Uh-huh.
2: There's a bunch of random things. I don't know what they are. There's a chopping block. Uh, Is an there an
1: alien. Iron Maiden?
2: No. That wasn't actually a real torture device. That was made by archaeologists who were like, you know what would be kind of cool? If that's what Are they you did serious? It. Yep, it was a... There was no Iron
1: Maiden? Oh, I didn't know that that's interesting. Okay, so it breaks my heart that they that people even use these kind of things on other people like what right do they have? God is the one who gives life unless there is a uh, uh, capital offense where somebody has murdered somebody. Okay, so capital offenses are against God's Torah and uh, the ones that should be punished by death. Let's see rape murder molestation so uh some of my old friends who i don't even consider acquaintances anymore got caught um marrying each other's daughters and uh i didn't have anything to do with them like i cut off all contact with them i didn't know that they were going to go that far but they were doing some weird stuff like they believed that Hitler was a prophet. They believed in the flat earth theory. Uh, they believed in like giant trees, like Devil's Tower is a big tree stump and like all these weird things. And one of them was getting revelations that are uh, translations through a seer stone. So if you're a seer and you have the gift of using a seer stone you can receive good stuff and you can receive bad stuff and you got to get confirmation of the Holy Spirit before you put it out there and he wouldn't do that and I kept telling him you can't just like get these things because these this right here is not from God he got this translation through the seer stone about the supreme eternal God who is over all other gods even the human gods and he was a bird God called Nazor and it was just like really strange stuff he started like getting into all this stuff and I was like no uh that no and um anyway it was, it, I could go on and on and on about what happened but I just wouldn't have anything to do with them because like they were just going down this really weird path and trying to influence this ministry. In bad ways and I was like done. Okay, and I asked God what he should have me do and he said not to have any more contact with him. And I think that was in July of 2016. And then it, it was that one of the two uh, was getting divorced from his wife and he refused to give the kids back to her when the judge ordered them to go back. And so they um, They took off and they were hiding with the kids and uh, he got charged with kidnapping and uh, well and then we found out and they kept a record of all this stuff, which was beneficial to me because they kept a record of me rejecting them, you know, and how I was going to be damned for reject. It was just so stupid. Anyway, we found out that the two decided that it it was so important that they uh, were married to you know and nobody would marry them because they were completely weird like just it was ridiculous. They decided to marry their daughters and both of them did it not their daughters so one of them had a daughter and the other one had a daughter so they traded daughters and said you know and they did a ceiling ordinance so they could be married and at least one of them consummated the marriage with a girl who was like eight years old and one who maybe Actually, I think she was six. Okay, in those circumstances, the death penalty should be applied. And um, I I do not apologize for that. Uh, anyway, but like, other than that, like, if you have a difference in belief, who cares, you can be called a heretic and an apostate and whatever. And I don't like that. I will not allow that in my groups. Like and I just kicked a a girl out of one of my groups because I kept warning her not to do that to this other group and uh, And she wouldn't stop so I just kicked her out, you know, but like we have freedom of thought and if people have Revelation and whatever and they stop trusting in the arm of flesh You can have all kinds of Judas goats and they're not going to lead anybody astray if you are led astray by false doctrines it's because you deserve to be led astray because you didn't go and study it out you think that these things are wonderful and you just do what you do and then you follow into these false doctrines without going to God and getting revelation for yourself well you make a choice to make your own bed but you deserve to be led astray if you're not going to go to God to find out what the truth is from him it's stop being dependent upon the arm of flesh or even the flesh of your own mind so when you assume things without getting revelation that is what it means to be uh, to make flesh your arm and God instructs us over and over and over again in the scriptures not to do that but it just breaks my heart to know how horrible mankind can be to each other And how if somebody thinks they have authority, they think that they have control and power. And Jesus Christ said that we, we teach them through persuasion and long suffering and these type of things and patience, not by punishing them. And it's disgusting when that happens. Anyway, we're on page 106. Jesus prophesied that such things would occur and explained why, quote. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you think that he does God a service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. John chapter 16, verses 20, I'm sorry, verses 2 through 4. Um. Let me see here. Oh, I wanted to say something, and uh, it just got brought up in my mind. Okay, so the the Sabbath day is a perpetual covenant with mankind. It always has been Friday night to Saturday night, and that is the day of rest. And the early church, they kept the Sabbath, and they went to synagogues on the Sabbath. And then at the end of the day, uh, according to the uh, to the way things are supposed to be, uh, at the end of the day is the beginning of a new day. So the Sabbath will start on Friday night tonight, and it will go to Saturday night, and then the Lord's Day begins shortly after the at the sunset on Saturday night. And that, from Saturday night to Sunday night, is what is called the Lord's Day. Jesus Christ was in the tomb for three days and three nights, and the only day that... Um, like there's like a bunch of different evidence. So like King Herod tried to have baby Jesus killed. But King Herod died in I think 3 BC. So and Jesus was actually a toddler by that time and uh, the wise men they didn't go to the to the birth site. They went to his house and people just assume a bunch of stuff that if you actually look at the text you realize you know that it's not the way people think it is modern christianity they just they gloss over things like for instance the pastor that um i used to go to a pentecostal church in price utah and i still enjoy going there sometimes but um the pastor there was talking about how uh the 12 tribes of israel or the 12 sons of jacob sold their brother joseph into slavery And I said, that's not what happened. He says, well, sure it is. That's 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 in the scriptures. I said, let's go and read the scriptures. (laughs) We read it. And I was like, okay, so he's put into the pit because they didn't want him to get away and then they were going to sell him to this group of people. But then it says this group of people came and found him in the pit and stole him and took him to Egypt and sold him into slavery. So the brothers were talking about it with another group of people, but it was that Joseph actually was stolen by this other group of people, the Midianites and the Ishmaelites I think, but, but people read over that, you know, and they do that with a lot of different things. Hold on here. So anyway, but, um, and they do that with the three uh, the three wise men. It never says three. There was three gifts, but it was actually a large caravan the wise men were leftover Jews from uh, Babylon who Daniel told to keep this wealth and to guard it and then when you see the signs of the coming of Messiah follow the star which actually was the city of Enoch up in the atmosphere that's why the star didn't move and they went under the star which was Jerusalem and Bethlehem which is only like six miles away from Jerusalem it's like right there anyway in fact there's so much city now there in between Jerusalem and Bethlehem that it's basically just one large city so anyway but um, but Jesus was actually born a couple of years before our current modern calendar of BC Uh, I think he was born like 5 BC Herod died in 3 BC and then, so if he was born in 5 BC, he would have started his ministry in 25 AD, which gave him three years to preach and do his ministry. And in 28 AD, uh, the, he said he would be in the grave three days and three nights, and he was, raised, or he was put in the tomb at the uh, beginning of the high and holy Sabbath of um, unleavened bread which starts off with passover so the last supper was actually a rehearsal meal which the jews did at the time rabbis did that jesus christ was a rabbi in order to be a rabbi you had to be married but they dislike the christians are like no way he couldn't have been married but that was a custom of the time and it was more important that they were married and had children like that was like if you didn't do that and you remained a bachelor they would have considered you as horrible as somebody who murdered people because you never brought forth children but they never accused him because he wasn't guilty of not being married and he kept the torah perfectly and that's part of the torah so anyway but um he was put to death on wednesday night uh just before uh just before sundown on Wednesday night in the uh, in 28 AD um, on the 15th day of I can't remember what the name of the month is in Hebrew now but it's like in March or something like that. Well whatever. Anyway so he was in the tomb Wednesday night to Thursday night that's one day and one night Wednesday night all right, I mean, Thursday night to Friday night, that's one day and one night. And Friday night to Saturday night, that's one day and one night. Three days and three nights. At the end of the Sabbath, a Sabbath day, which ended on Saturday at evening time, that's when he was resurrected. It wasn't Sunday morning. Well, the Jews who became Christians, they kept the Sabbath correctly, might I add, because it never changed. And they went to synagogues and all of that and they proselyted and whatever they did and then when the Sun went down they all gathered together on the Lord's Day on Saturday night when Jesus was resurrected and they had their sacraments and their fellowship one with another the early Christians and the Apostles and all of that it wasn't on Sunday morning Jesus Christ was not resurrected on Sunday morning He was not going to be in the earth in the heart of the earth for four nights and three days it's three days and three nights it was very specific and that's exactly what happened and there's a lot more evidence that I won't get into on this radio program about that but keeping the Sabbath day holy resting on the Sabbath is something we can all do unless you've got to work like I have to work and I hate it but it's the way it is. But um, ox is in the mire, as they say anyway, but um, We can we can rest on the Sabbath day and enjoy our families and enjoy going on picnics or whatever we do as long as we're not making other people work. And then on Saturday night, we can be like the early Christians and get together and actually have our meetings and it's on the Lord's Day Sunday from 12 midnight to 12 midnight that is not a day it is a day in our eyes cause that's what we were taught with but the day began and ended at sunset that's it and that's the way all that's the way it always has been and that's the way it always will be it, and we can do what we want as Gentiles but that's not the that's not God's way anyway a little authority is often a bad beginning for many men the transformation of normal kind of considerate men into cool oppressors occurs because they were given authority men often change in the military it is well known that in world history there has been a considerably high percentage of officers killed because the common soldier could not take such drastic cruel and vicious treatment by men in their own army so many officers died at the hands of men under their own command Religions have not escaped the same effect of authority as men enjoy having some kind of personal power over others. This negative trait has often followed many who have claimed to hold the keys. Great is the responsibility of that man who is called to give give counsel, which involves the salvation of another and which such counsel is given, and when such counsel is given, it should be of that pure character, that the powers above him upon the earth with angels and God can approve. He will then have no occasion to destroy his own influence and power by telling others that it will be no sin for them to commit adultery or to lie or to steal, etc., etc., If they are told to do it by the priesthood and thereby pervert the right ways of the Lord and bring reproach upon the honor of his cause, the Lord asks for no such confidence in his priesthood as this. Neither do good men who are under its influence. Go ahead, Emma.
2: The priesthood never demands a wrong At the hands of another Though men who hold the priesthood May make such a demand As has sometimes been the case And for which they have had to suffer Where the authority of God is There should be the confidence Of all men to be reposed Or all men be reposed Sufficiently to obey its laws But not to violate them For we have not yet learned That it has power enough To save the transgressor in his sins some men have been so wise as to think little authority they had was sufficient for them to set aside law and revelation and mete out justice and judgment upon their own responsibility. But in the end, they have found that responsibility to be greater than they could bear. Millennial Star, uh, 14, 595-96. Editorial,
1: volume, 1852. Okay
2: yeah I
1: don't know millennial 14. stars okay, but there's never gonna be a five hundred and ninety fifth verse ever you never
0: I mean know. <laughs> like some of the
1: revelations that I have received have two hundred and eighty four verses in them, and that's ridiculous like that's just they're huge, but mostly in in canonized scripture, you're never gonna find mm-hmm. verses. They go up anywhere close to 596. So yeah, millennial star was end of, was a publication that the church put out back in the day. And when they um, compiled them all into books, you have volumes because it, there was a lot of reading in the millennial star. So this one came out of volume 14 page 595 and 596, and that was released in 1852. Okay, go ahead,
2: Emma. Men always seem to have more ambition than common sense, as history has proved. They have sought for power, the vain things of the world, and for controlling influence over their fellow men. When they gain a little authority, as they suppose, they lean towards unrighteous rule. Instead of their eyes single to the glory of God, They soon get bent out of shape, cross-eyed, or blinded. In such a case, if thine eye which seeth for thee, him that is appointed to watch over thee, to show thee light, become a transgressor, and offend thee, pluck them out. Mark chapter 9, verse 46, uh, JSC, I think. Who then can qualify to be a leader and holder of the keys? Key descriptions could be equal to that offered by... E.T. Harrison in a Millennial Star article entitled, A Real Representative of the Most High, from which the following brief excerpts are taken. We should walk not merely in the authority of the appointment, but in the virtues and qualities that are necessary, or its necessary accompaniments. Jehovah's principles should shine into us, or in us, so that, seeing us, he may be seen. Uh, Page 108, then.
1: Okay, I wanted to go back to this uh, the Joseph Smith translation, that's JST, it's the Inspired Translation, and before I read it, I just want the listener to know, especially if they're in the mainstream church and you've been lied and gaslighted on this subject, that both Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon and others, in publications of the church at the time, stated that they completed both the Old and the New Testament. Now, the Community of Christ, or the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they actually have the full text, but the LDS Church wants you to believe that they don't have the full text and that it was never finished because they want to gaslight you because they do not want you to read what is in it. They only want to give you snippets and portions uh, for you to consider if it goes in their favor. But other things that are in the, the Inspired Translation actually go against Uh, Some of the crap that the LDS church teaches so they want you they want to lie to you And this is why we talk about these things because you don't know these things Especially if you're only listening to the correlated history of the church and the correlated Department of like student manuals and what they they don't want you to know everything They want to gaslight and they want to lie to you to keep you in submission to them Which is unrighteous in the extreme, but let's get back into this Joseph Smith translation And I want you to realize something. Okay, let me see if I can find out. Well, oh yeah, here it is. If thine eye which seeth for thee, him that is appointed to watch over thee, to show thee light, become a transgressor, and offend thee, pluck him out. That's Joseph Smith translation. And what does that mean? The leaders of the church are the eyes of the body and if they become a transgressor and they start gaslighting you and lying to you about what the truth is. Plucking them out doesn't mean plucking your own eye out. That's like a mis- a complete mistranslation of uh, of modern scripture. What it means is that you cut them off and you excommunicate them and. There was a uh, rules in the early church where the, I think it was the bishop of the church and the state patriarch, and I'm a little bit fuzzy on this, so forgive me, but it is one or the other. They could actually hold a court and excommunicate the president of the church. And uh, knowing that, they, over the years, have get, have fashioned these offices so that they don't have as much authority as what they're supposed to have. And in fact, they just completely got rid of the patriarch of the church. So you have a bishop over the whole church, and then you have your ward bishops. But the bishop over the whole church is an office in the, in the hierarchy of the church. It's the way it's supposed to be. The patriarch of the church, so Hiram was the patriarch of the church, and he was over other patriarchs. Well, that was an office in the church too but in 1978 when they decided to give the Canaanites the priesthood which basically contradicts former revelations and former teachings and also in the scriptures in Zechariah 14 it says in the Millennium there'll be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord because they weren't supposed to be there to begin with but uh, the patriarch of the church says what do you want me to do with these Canaanites like what, what are we supposed to do with them and he questioned the authority of the president, so they released him. His name was Eldridge G. Smith. They never called another patriarch of the church, so they got rid of an office that was appointed and part, of be part, uh, part was supposed to be part of the restoration. They just got rid of that office because that guy had authority, more authority than what he realized he had. They didn't excommunicate Eldridge G. Smith but they never called another person to that office. And then in 2013 when he died, in April of 2013 when he died, a whole bunch of stuff happened that you probably don't know about because the church doesn't talk about these things. But when Eldridge G. Smith died, he was the last patriarch of the church that was I think it was April of 2013. It was just a couple of months later that god had me fulfilled daniel chapter 12 wherein and i didn't know this existed until after i was told to do it. after a month after i was told to do it my aunt was like you fulfilled scripture and i was like what are you talking about And she says i was reading in daniel chapter 12 and the thing that you did is talked about in daniel chapter 12 uh, and, and i was like oh that's interesting well what happened was The man clothed in linen, severs, or scatters the power, the priesthood, of all the holy people. That's the restoration groups and branches in the last days. And that happened in, I think it was like July 15th of 2013, shortly after the death of Eldridge G. Smith. So all of these Babylonian businessmen who pretend to be prophets seers and revelators they've been excommunicated now they still run around like that they've got some kind of authority but the only authority that they have is the power and wealth that you've given them through their or through tithing and believing the lies that they tell you and you don't have to be led astray by these Judas goats because you can go to God and get revelation for yourself okay that's what I did so, and the other thing too, when, um, people think that they have authority and then you contradict them, it, it drives them insane. Like for instance, uh, when I was called to the Vermont stake, uh, that we lived in, when we lived in New Hampshire, we're actually in a stake in Montpelier, Vermont. And I told, just told the guy about my, about my experiences, not all of them, but where I've seen the father and the son face to face. And about my experience in the Holy of Holies in the top middle tower on the eastern side of the Salt Lake City temple. He grew red in the face and he got angrier and angrier and angrier. And I I said, you know what, I actually wrote President Gordon B Hinckley about these things. And he sent El Tom Perry to come visit me. And El Tom Perry said, well, God's the one that chooses his prophets because we sure don't. And I wasn't trying to make a power play or anything like that. But, uh, and this was all before I knew exactly who I was or why any of those things happened, but they did happen, and I knew that. Um, but he, he, wouldn't, um, he wouldn't go to El Tom Perry or even write him and find out about the uh, interview that El Tom Perry had with me, and then uh, he didn't even allow me to go to my own excommunication. And he grew red in the face and got angrier and angrier and angrier as I told him, you know, my experiences. Because basically, I had more authority than he did. And he did not like that. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, so one are on page 108. All right. We're not called simply... We're not called simply that God may have a number of men called priests upon the earth. And, and you know what? God is more concerned with the quality of the people than the, than the uh, number of the people. Like he wants, he wants a quality people who will be obedient to his laws, even if that is only eight people on an ark. That was the kingdom of God. All of these other religious men, they all died in the flood. He doesn't care about popularity. He he cares about quality. No, it, that's for exaltation. He There is uh, saving uh, principles and ordinances that cover these other people, but he's looking for a people that will do all that he commands so that Zion will be redeemed. That's the quality that I'm talking about. The Holy Priesthood has been conferred on us for the express purpose that the Father and the Son may have representatives of their spirit and their actions upon the earth. We are ordained and appointed to act to the Mount. And that's what they say. The heavenly authorities of the upper world, whose glorious characters shine white and pure and free and innocent and whose virtue have lifted them up to their highest state have stooped to attach us to their ranks. They have delegated us to stand and speak for them to impersonate them and to establish their order of society among men. Millennial star volume 20. See pages 641 through 644. But sometimes it is difficult to determine a true key from a poor copy. It is, and so it is with the true keys of the priesthood and the many close, intimidate or in. How do you say that word? oh It's right before number two. Scope of the keys. Imitations. Imitations. Okay. Fine. okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's not intimidations. What is that word? I'm like, trying to sound it out with my mouth. Imitations. Okay. Thank you for helping, Emmett. <laughs> okay, number two. Scope of I the keys. Nothing. I know, Ghostmaster, but you're reading along, so that's good. right and you're learning how to pronounce words that i can't pronounce even when i do know how to pronounce them and i'm just like having a brain fart or something all right through the microscope or telescope a subject is greatly magnified so it is with spiritual keys you should use a microscope figuratively speaking to view the subject with greater intensity and more accurate scrutiny and just real quick I had read the scriptures so many times at one point that I was like, okay, I've probably read these things or listened to them. I mean, I, when I was over the road as a truck driver, I used to read the scriptures or listen to them so much that I would speak in Victorian English just because that's what I was listening to all day. And I wouldn't mean to do it. I would just be like, of art, you know, and people would be like, are you Amish? (laughs) No, I'm just an idiot. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So I got to the point where I was like, Okay, I studied these things out. I'm going to start writing them down word for word. And it might take me a couple of hours to go through one chapter and I would just write it down and think about every single word and and I learned so much by putting it under that microscope by taking the time to to study these things out. I mean, I'm not the fastest writer in the world and I would write all the words out. Uh, In fact, some of my journals have just chapters and chapters and chapters of scripture that I wrote out in my journals because I was trying to put it under the microscope. And I learned so much more by doing that than I did by reading them because it took time and I pondered over the scriptures and it was a really good experience for me, actually. So let's here keys can be very deceiving one key might open a child's piggy bank while another while another opens Fort Knox the keys of the priesthood vary in use from passing the sacrament to creating galaxies some pertain to mortality while others reach into immortality the scope of some men's keys is limited to themselves and their families While other men claim that they hold all the keys, which to them is a super title, a badge of honor and a special trophy that others have not acquired. And you know what? I hold those keys because God gave them to me, but I'm not going to use them to control other people. That's not what they're for. I don't hold the keys to your family. If you are a patriarch in your family, which you should be if you were the man then you hold keys if you're righteous. Anyway, continuing on. uh, Emma, you're on page 109, and start with, However, the scope of such keys.
2: However, the scope of such keys probably goes no further than their own backyard. Priesthood keys are located with those teaching eternal principles of the gospel, administering correct ordinances, and preparing souls for the celestial kingdom. They are designed for saving souls, not to enable someone to brag about possessing them. The scope of the, the scope and power of priesthood keys are limited only to the kind of people who claim them. <laughs> Some people only care about the following someone, or care about following someone who claims to hold the keys. For them, personal use of the keys is not as important as following someone else's keys. The scope of one's priesthood keys can increase if he wisely and correctly uses those that he already has. The principle of the the parable of the talents, uh, uh, related in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, can apply here. For unto everyone that hath hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. Verse 29. Uh, 3. Functioning with priesthood keys. It cannot be denied that if there is no priesthood, there can be no keys to the priesthood, and furthermore, wherever the priesthood exists, there must be keys for it to function. The Bible provides a clear history and understanding of how those keys functioned with the priesthood, or with priesthood. It is obvious from biblical history that most of Christianity today have never the keys, nor the priesthood, or have neither the keys, nor the priesthood. Following are some quotes by several Christian scholars and recorded in Zondervan's Encyclopedia of the Bible under the heading of priest. It is a magnificent collection of research on the priesthood in both the Old and New Testaments and illustrates several important points.
1: Number one, that, and we're on page 110, that priesthood exists from the beginning of time. Number two, it that it was needed to perform perform the ordinances of God. Number three, that it must must strictly be obeyed or apostasy sets in. Number four, that it is necessary for the completion and perfection of a man, or a woman actually, because when you don't have the sealing ordinances, you do not create that bond between the masculine and the feminine that gives them eternal life. And you don't have the sailing keys if you don't have the priesthood. Um, anyway, I can there's so much like I can take one uh, topic and just talk all day about a topic. So I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of the iceberg on different things. But I'm trying not to go off on tangents so much that we never finish the reading. So by there's one man on the earth that holds the keys of the sealing power. And it was Joseph Smith until he died. And then after that, uh, the curse that that is talked about in section 124 to the third and fourth generation, after the curse was over, God gave another man the authority by the laying on of hands to hold the sealing power. And that was given to me in 2003. It is such an... It is, it is an amazing it is amazing that such intelligent scholars can do this excellent research and still be in the dark as to its real meaning function and importance if anything it should it should provide a special warning to those of us claiming priesthood keys today the old testament although the term priest and levi occur hundreds of times in the in the old and the new testament scholars have different opinions as to the identity, identity function and rights of them. That's because they rely on the flesh of their own mind or the flesh of others that they have studied and they don't get revelation for themselves. If you were able to get revelation for yourself, you would be set in order and you wouldn't have a bunch of varying opinions about what something means, but people don't go to God. And he's asked us to all be like little children and to go to him like a little child would go to a father. uh my kids when they're young, they're always like, "Well, what about this, and what about that and then except for Emmett, he's all well, in this book, I read this thing, and blah 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 and so <laughs> and I like that about Emmett that he reads a lot, but um that's what these scholars do and that's why there's so many different opinions about so many different things and nobody can pin anything down except for by logic or something by their own logic and but they never get to the truth anyway the word priest appears over 700 times in the old testament and over 80 times in the new testament scholars conclude that that priests were given were given a yurim and thummim the term in arabic arabic designates a seer or a soothsayer at one time it was held that this was the original meaning of the hebrew word at another time the pre the word priest meant one who stands for god they also were given to given to offering sacrifices and other ordinances priests were also chosen from the tribe of levi or levi and others who Became priests were sometimes distinguished by doing, by one doing the ministering while others made sacrifices. At one time, the priesthood was restricted to the descendants of Aaron. However, some non-Levites performed priestly functions on occasion. The priesthood in Israel take, takes into account another dimension of the religious world, that of su- supernatural revelation. In Israel the priesthood represented the nation's relationship with God the original intent of the mosaic covenant was for the entire nation to be a kingdom of priests according to Exodus chapter 19 verse 6 the covenant of God was meditated mediated through the priesthood it was a practical necessity that the corporate obligation of the covenant people should be carried out by priestly representatives. We're on page 111. Emma. Okay, I'll just continue reading. I don't know what he's doing. No, I
2: was muted. I'm (laughs) here. Okay. I didn't unmute myself. I was like, okay, we're on priestly representatives. Furthermore, the priests, in their separated condition, symbolized the purity and holiness God required. They were a visible reminder of God's righteous requirements. In early Israel, an important function of the priests was to discover the will of God by means of the ephod. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 6-12. to The highest level of the priesthood was the high priest. He represented bodily, or boldly, bodily the height of the purity of the priesthood. Hold
1: on. I just looked up what ephod means. Let me give you the definition, since most people don't know what it it means. In ancient Israel, there was a sleeveless garment worn by Jewish priests to – basically, it was to show that they were the priests. They wore an the outer garment to – kind of like the Catholics have the collar, the ancient Israelites had the ephod. Anyway, go ahead, Emmett.
0: Okay.
2: They were a visible reminder of God's. Oh no, I did that. <laughs> he represented bodily the height of Stop. purity and Priesthood.
1: Hold on, hold. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, that's where you're at. Good job. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, because I remember oh, I was confused about how to pronounce that word. By divine authority, Moses consecrated his brother Aaron and Aaron's sons to the to be priests. Uh, Exodus, I think. Uh, Chapter 28, verse 11. The priesthood was restricted to the family of Aaron and his descendants. Man, when I see Aaron, I just want to say A A. Ron, because I have a friend whose name is that, and my mom's teacher friend is also named that, and we call him A A. Ron. (laughs) Anyways.
1: I got to say this. Okay, so mom and I were going up to the cell phone provider that we use that we will not mention because whatever. Anyway, we were following a guy in there that had on the back of his license plate the A for Aggies, which is a university um, in Utah up in Logan. And it said A for Aggies, and then it said "Aron," so it said Aaron on his license plate. And we were like, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Anyway, I just, I just thought of that because that only happened like a month or two ago. And I thought it was funny. Aaron. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead, Emmett. Emmett, you are muted. You are when Korah and his followers rebelled against when the authority followers of uh, Aran. rebelled
2: against the authority of <laughs> Aran, uh, Aran, <laughs> number 16, or numbers, uh, chapter 16? He and his followers were destroyed, and the priesthood of Aaron was significantly, or was signally confirmed. They were specialized for the maintenance of their purity. The provisions were principally concerned with the prevention of defilement, which rendered them unfit for service. Old, Old Testament scholars claim that the history of the priesthood in Israel is highly complex. It is asserted that... In spite of the unanimous or yeah unanimous Hebrew tradition concerning the Mosaic origin of the Levitical priesthood, Uh, evidence appears even in even the older records that the priesthood was not exclusively Levitical in the early period. Only priests mentioned in Genesis and Exodus are the only priests mentioned in Genesis and Exodus before the giving of the law of Moses. Were foreign priests Melchizedek Genesis chapter fourteen verse eighteen egyptian priests chapter forty one verse forty five and Jethro and the midianite priests uh, exodus chapter two verse sixteen uh, chapter three verse one chapter eighteen verse one. general references to priests before the law are found in exodus chapter nineteen verse twenty two and twenty four which seem to imply a Hebrew priesthood before Moses, moreover or moreover exodus chapter twenty th- or thirty two Verses 25 and 29, or 2:29, indicates the Levites, the Levites, were given the priesthood for their faithfulness in carrying out the wrath of God after the sin of of the golden calf. At first, the priest was concerned both with sacrifice and with directing the affairs of life. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, I believe, teaching, the teaching function of the priest is prominent. It was done, through the Uriam and Summum, or no, Urim and Summum. and, and Summum to legal
1: code. Yeah. I just they well, on page that. We're well, on page 112. All right, Emma. Just use regular words. I mean, you could say it like the Jews say it, Iran, or, or, uh, or whatever, but just use regular words. Don't try to make the pronunciation all weird if you don't know what it is. Also, you need to plug in the headset that i gave you not the because you're using the mic on that that one that came with the phone and you're hitting no i have with my it. headset and, uh, what are you i just
2: it fell off my head and i was readjusting it like it fell forward
1: <laughs> that's happened several times adjust your headset while you're muted and get it right because it you're causing a lot of uh Of other interference with the audio. So, anyway, all right, I'm going to read this. We're on page 112. It has been suggested that every priest did not have to be a literal descendant of Levi. Oh, I gotta, I gotta go back a little bit. So while they were in Egypt, they did not. They lost the priesthood when Moses was cast out of Egypt. And he went, he met Jethro, who eventually became his father-in-law, who was a priest of Midian, who was a Hebrew priest who had priesthood. He had Melchizedek priesthood. And Moses received his priesthood by the laying on of hands from Jethro, who had it. So there was priesthood outside of the 12 tribes, because these people were Hebrew Israelites or well, Hebrew people, they, they, you know, that were not part of Jacob's tribes, but they still had priesthood. And it was good that they did because they didn't need to be an angelic represent, uh, representative come on the earth to give them priesthood, like what happened with Joseph Smith, because Moses was able to go to Jethro, who was a priest of Midian who had that Melchizedek priesthood and Moses received it or Moshe. Received it from Jethro, Jethro, uh, by the laying on of hands. Now, when Moses gave priesthood to Aaron, he gave him some of his authority, not all of it, and that was where we get the Aaronic priesthood. It is a portion of the priesthood. Now, Joseph Smith taught that all priesthood is Melchizedek, and there's just different levels of it. So you have the Levitical priesthood and the Aaronic priesthood, which are part of the Melchizedek priesthood, and then you've got a higher order of priesthood called the melchizedek priesthood which aaron did not receive but you have something called the fullness of the priesthood as well so in the scriptures in the lineages of lines of authority you'll have a bunch of people and it will say and so-and-so received the priesthood from so-and-so and so-and-so received the priesthood from so-and-so and that is how it is passed on But every once in a while you have it'll say and God gave the priesthood to that man. so what that is is that man received priesthood by the laying on of hands of a man who had priesthood authority like Moses received priesthood authority from Jethro and that man was so righteous that that man was able to receive the fullness of the priesthood by the laying on of hands of God the Father who came to him So in order to come into his full presence, you actually have to have Melchizedek priesthood. And then if you are worthy of it, God will give you the fullness of the priesthood by the laying on of hands. And that's what God wanted to do in section 124 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Build a temple whereby the Father can come dwell therein that he might restore that which is lost unto the world or that which he has taken away even the fullness of the priesthood that would have been Zion's redemption but instead of doing what they were told they dragged their feet they stole the lumber that was coming down from Wisconsin on the Mississippi River that was supposed to be for the building of the temple to build things like Masonic lodges and uh, stores and homes and uh, the second wing of Brigham Young's mansion which uh, was you know, the fact that he was doing that was just disgusting. It is not given for one man to own that which is above another, wherefore the whole wo- world lieth in sin could have been used against him for what he was doing. But, you know, they want to change everything, and that started actually with Brigham Young and other people who were following Joseph Smith. And because of their disobedience, they never finished the temple. It was never finished. When Joseph Smith was murdered three and a half years after that commandment was given to build that house. um, They were just starting to work on the second story and by the time the Saints left Nauvoo, they had not finished the temple. It never was finished and the father never came to restore the fullness to them because they were disobedient and Jesus said if you don't do what I say you'll be rejected as a church with your dad saith the Lord your God. And that's what happened. So that's why I don't accept Brigham Young as a prophet seer or revelator or any of the early leaders. But I do understand that they also, they did learn things from Joseph Smith that are true, but they also added in their own ideas and thoughts and whatever. And so you've got to be careful with these things. And get revelation for yourself just because somebody said something doesn't mean it's true and that even goes for Joseph Smith and myself we can speculate on things doesn't mean we know everything Joseph Smith didn't know everything there is actual um, evidence that he learned as he got older you know Joseph Smith learned as he got older and some things seem to contradict. Well, it only contradicts because he didn't understand it to begin with. And he speculated as things and people take every word that he has to say and say, well, Joseph Smith said this. Well, yeah, and he was working it out. And when God set him straight, he didn't say that anymore. He said something else because he was being worked on and he learned line upon line precept upon precept upon precept here a little and there a little as we all do. Luckily for us, God is patient with us, and, uh, you know, he tries to teach us, and if we are pliable in his hands, he can mold us like the clay jars, that we are. So, but if we become hardened, then he has to break us and grind us back down to powder and start again. All right. It has been suggested that every priest did not have to be a literal descendant of Levi. Before Josiah's reform, oh, I could say so much about his reform. The priesthood was distribute, distributed widely throughout the land okay i 'm just going to say a little bit about Josiah. This guy pisses me off. A lot of Jews and a lot of Christians think this guy was the most righteous king ever. He died when he was like twenty one years old. God took him out. Nebo, the king of Egypt, uh, when they were in battle he he slung a spear that actually went down between his armor josiah 's armor on the battlefield and went between the helmet and the shoulder plate down into his neck and pierced his heart. That's how the man died. And he that was allowed to happen because of what he did. Now what did he do? This guy was a child leader. He was a teenager when the high priests found the scrolls in the temple that they they didn't have the Torah scrolls, like nobody knew what happened to him. And they were keeping all these really weird perversions of what they thought were the law. So what happened was they get these these uh, scrolls that they find in this hidden cavity in the temple and they bring it forth among the king, King Josiah and the high priest at the time and King Josiah and these high priests, they added many vain and foolish things to the Torah law. So if you have 613 laws, many of them were additions by this immature teenager king that were not in the original law so then you so what he did was just horror. it was like the worst thing that he that you could do instead of just reading the law as God gave it he added all this crap to it now you've got all these Jews running around and then they add crap to it too and they, they put hedges around what they think is the Torah but it's really a fabrication by King Josiah anyway In the post-exile book of the Old Testament, a clear picture is said to be given of the priesthood of the Restoration Temple. The high priest's garments were distinctive blue robe with bells and pomegranates and ephod, which is the covering that we're talking about, the sleeveless covering, a square breastplate with 12 precious stones inscribed with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the Urim and Thummim. The position that the high priesthood did not exist before the exile is invalid. The New Testament. The New Testament, or the Brit Hadashah, usage of the term priest and high priest, with one exception, re- reflects old, old Testament antecedents I'm going to hold on. I'm going to look at the definition of that word real quick. Antecedents in her in her early life and antecedents have been traced ancestors. But another definition is a thing or event that exists existed before or logically precedes another. Okay, Pretty straightforward. But one exception reflects Old Testament antecedents, especially the ministers of the temple. In Revelation, the Christian community is referred to as the priests of God, reflecting Exodus 19, verse 6. For the most part, the high priest and priests in the New Testament are an extension of what one finds in the Old Testament. What distinguishes the high priest from all other men was his unique privilege to enter the Holy of Holies in the temple once a year to offer sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. The high priest also served as president of the Sanhedrin. Hold on here. So he's like president of the church. Um, Thus, both religious and political power tend to focus on him. He was the principal agent for the people in dealing with Rome at least 64 times in the New Testament and often in Josephus's, or Josephus and in the Talmud, the term high priest occurs. It was he who presided over the so-called trials of Jesus of the early apostles and of Stephen and of Paul. During New Testament times, the high priest had lost its Old, Old Testament hereditary character. Um, sure, uh, Herod at the Great had begun the practice of dismissing and appointing the high priest. A practice continued under Roman rule. The effect was wholly disastrous. And I don't know what that word means either. Kim, do you know what that word means? Oh, wait. I'm trying to unmute you. Okay. Dilatorious. Let's see. Define. Divorce is assumed to have dilatorious effects on children, which means harmful, damaging, detrimental, injurious, hurtful, bad, adverse, and another, the new, new Oxford American Dictionary, um, something that causes harm or damage. So that's pretty interesting. Hi, Kim. Hi. Uh, Welcome to the program. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I are switching out page, page after page so that we can both read and then take breaks. And I'm actually having a hard time reading today for some reason. So I'm really grateful for that because I would be stumbling through this whole thing if I didn't have a break. So anyway, um, Emma, you're on page 113. Not only did the office cease. Uh-huh. I know.
2: <laughs> Not only did the okay. office cease but or to be the, to be lifelong and hereditary, but it also had become wholly dependent on political authority. They also had seats on the Sanhedrin, or Sanhedrin. hence their implication in the opposition to Jesus, especially after Jesus cleansed the temple. Over against the priestly arist- aristocracy or aristocracy were the vast majority of ordinary priests. who Jeremiah's ex number to
1: Aristocracy.
0: Aristocracy. The aristocracy.
1: Yes.
2: That is annoying to pronounce. Anyways. Um the aristocracy who Jeremias estimates numbered approximately 18,000 in the time of Jesus. They traveled to Jerusalem for three annual pilgrimage festivals. Or pilgrimage festivals. For the rest of the year, these priests lived at home with a few pri- priestly functions to perform. For substance, the majority of them also had another occupation. Uh, the Levites were numbered at about 10,000. Their chief functions were music and various forms of service connected with the temple.
0: Although they are
2: rarely mentioned by name, indications are they formed the police force of the temple. Therefore, they are almost certainly responsible for both the attempted and actual arrest of Jesus as well as the arrest of the apostles, and the arrests of the apostles. Although the author of Hebrews is the only New Testament author to specifically call Jesus a priest, The roots of such an idea are much earlier. In John's Gospel, the high priest prophesies uh, the high priestly character of Jesus' death. The concept of his priestly ministry is deeply rooted in the motif that Christ's death was a sacrifice for our sins. Uh, The author of Hebrews takes this figure and works it out with the consummate skill. He starts with the basic notings of priesthood. A priest is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. His ultimate purpose is to bring men to God and thereby bring them to perfection or completion. The priest does not take this prerogative upon himself. He must have divine appointment. An imperfect priest can only offer imperfect sacrifices. Therefore, both the covenant on which his priesthood is based and the holy place which it is performed are imperfect. Therefore, the only or the old is only a type, a shadow of the real who is to come. He is the ultimate priest because by his death he ratified a new covenant towards which the old testament himself or itself had looked. Ugh. Moreover, God had promised that the messianic king, messianic king, would also be a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. And that is page one fourteen now.
1: Thanks. Um, Okay, we're 81% done with the reading and my co-driver just texted me, so I have to go meet with him. So we're going to finish this and then I need to get going. So, um, all right. Melchizedek's order is also superior to Arians because the lesser always pays tithes to the greater. Furthermore, Jesus is a priest forever. Jesus is the ultimate priest also because he offers the perfect sacrifice, which is himself, according to Zondervan's Encyclopedia of the Bible, see volume 4, pages 849 through 867. It is evident that a knowledge of the history of priesthood is only the beginning of understanding on the subject. Even among the Latter-day Saints, the meaning, function, and power of the priesthood are not properly understood or appreciated. There are three primary areas in which priesthood is meant to function. Number one, the ministry of teaching and performing ordinances. Number two, healing and casting out devils. Number three, power over the elements. It should be noted here that the power over other other people is not one of the functions and, and powers of the priesthood. All three of the functions above are included in the following New Testament passage. Quote, Afterwards he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and the hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had, had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up servants, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay on hands, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mark chapter sixteen, verses fourteen through eighteen, page one fifteen.
2: <clears throat> Page One fifteen, in summary, then Jesus mentioned first power or er, power to preach the gospel, preaching and baptizing, power over evil spirits, casting out devils and healing the sick, power over the elements, deadly serpents or poison would not hurt them, etc. The Caesar himself set up or er, set the example of how he used priesthood peace in all three of these areas first. Ministry of Teaching and Ordinances. Uh, he began to preach the gospel, Matthew chapter 4, 17, verses, verses 17 and 23. Uh, teaching multitude on uh, Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7.
0: Beatitudes. Ordained Apostles?
2: Beatitudes, okay. Ordained Apostles, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, and ordained 70. Luke, chapter 10, verses 1, or verse 1. Multitudes listened to him, Matthew, chapter 12, verse 15. Taught multitudes from a ship, Matthew, chapter 13, verse 2. Preached in their synagogues, Matthew, chapter 13, verse 54. Taught in many cities, Matthew, chapter 15, verse 21. Preached to chief priests and elders, Matthew, chapter 21, verse 23. Uh, Second, healing and casting out devils. Uh, the nobleman son of a fever, John chapter four verses forty-six to fifty-four, healing man with leprosy, Matthew chapter eight verse two to four, uh, Mark chapter one verse forty to forty-five, Luke chapter five verses twelve to fourteen, uh, man born by four of palsy. Uh, I don't know what that is. Matthew chapter nine verse one to eight. Mark chapter two verse three to twelve, Luke chapter five verse seventeen to twenty six. Impotent man, John chapter five. What?
1: Palsy is a kind of paralysis that causes tremors. Oh. So what this, what happened with this man, is that there was so many people around the house that Jesus is in that they couldn't get to him. And back then, all of the houses were like, basically all together and you could walk along the tops. So this guy had four buddies and they took him and broke the roof of the house that Jesus was in and let him down into the house so that Jesus could heal him. And he was healed. So, you know, these people that you see that they can't move their arms, but their arms shake back and forth. It happens when you get older. That's palsy.
2: Uh
1: okay. That's what
2: that means. Okay. Uh man of four. Impotent man, John chapter five, verses six or one to sixteen. Man with a withered hand, Mark chapter three, one to five, Luke chapter six, six to ten. Uh verses six to ten. Uh Centurion servant of palsy, Matthew chapter eight. Verses five to oh, I lost my place. Five to thirteen, Luke chapter seven, verses two to ten. The woman who had been twelve years with an issue of blood, uh, or issue of blood, whatever. Matthew chapter nine, verses twenty to twenty-two. Mark chapter five, verses twenty-five to thirty-four. Luke chapter eight, verses forty-three to forty-eight. Uh, Sight restored to two men, Matthew chapter 9, verses 29 to 31. Hearing and speech restored to a man, Mark chapter 7, verses 32 to 37. Sight restored to another man, uh, verses 22 to 26. And now we're on page 116, and this is a whole lot of quotes.
1: (laughs) Okay, I think I actually went past that, and I've lost my place as well. I'm trying to find it, but I all these. Oh, I found it. Okay. It's hard to see. Okay, so you've got all of these quotes in parentheses and then you have the page number in brackets and it's surrounded by all these parentheses and it's like, okay, where in the world is that next page at? I'm confused. Anyway, site given to man born blind John chapter 9 verses 1 through 11 cure of a woman who had been 18 years afflicted Luke 13 verses 11 through 17. Withstood the devil, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Man of unclean spirit, Mark 1, verses 23 through 26, and Luke 4, verses 33 through uh, 37. Man possessed by spirits, uh, spirits called legion, Matthew 8, 28 through 34, Mark 5, verses 1 through 20, Luke 8, Verses 26 through uh, 39. The daughter of the Seraphonician woman, Matthew 15. I'm just going to say the chapters. And Mark 7, because there's so many flipping numbers here, and I want to get through it. The lunatic boy, the disciples having felled, Matthew chapter 17, Mark 9, and Luke chapter 9. Many devils cast out, Matthew chapter 8. Number 3. Power over the elements, water converted into wine, John chapter 2, Peter's net filled with fish, Luke chapter 5, 5,000 men besides women and children fed, Matthew chapter 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6, 4,000 men besides women and children fed, Matthew uh, 15, and Mark 8, a fish furnishes tribute money, Matthew chapter 17, I love that story, Um, The great hall of fish, John chapter 21. The fig tree withered, uh, Matthew chapter 21 and Mark 11. Wind and sea obeyed his word, Matthew chapter 8, Mark uh, chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. Jesus walked upon the sea, Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6. Those sent to apprehend him fall backwards, John chapter 18. Such were Such were the works and powers of the priesthood at the time of Christ. They provided a pattern for all the world, yet for all the all who would yet hold the priesthood and the keys thereof. If these signs do not follow those who claim to hold priesthood and its keys, then they are not following the proper pattern established by Christ. So that is the end of the part two of chapter seven of Holy Priesthood, volume
0: six. And I've
1: got things I gotta do today, so I gotta go meet with my co-driver, who just recently told me that he's headed back to the yard. So I'm gonna offer up the closing prayer, which uh, I just started doing yesterday, and i'll I will do that at this time, and then we'll go right into the music. And uh, tomorrow is Saturday, so we'll not be doing a program. However, uh, if you watch uh, and follow the Zarahemla Hemla Foundation, they are having an awesome speaker come. And you can get tickets to that for $5 by finding the link. Just type in Zarahemla Hemla Foundation. I will be there in person. And I'm so happy. I love going to these things. I was able to work it out with my boss oh, where my I God. would go to a... Emmett needs to stay home. <laughs> we only got two tickets on it. Anyway, but um, people can watch the uh, zoom broadcast, but it is a $5 charge for that. And you can find that by Turkey uh, typing in their foundation following them as group. I love them and I love going to their things that they do. And it's kind of cool The people that actually uh, the secretary of the zarahemla foundation actually lives. And um, what's his name? Kim the the guy who does Uh, Sister Wives on TLC. Uh, Kim. Hello. Uh, Oh, it says that she's on the studio, so I don't know where she's at.
2: Yeah, Uh, I don't know. Maybe one of the girls was talking to her.
1: Yeah. I don't know what the guy's name is. Cody Brown. Yep. So in the beginning of season one, they lived in Lehigh, Utah, in a specific house, Well, when they moved out and they went down to Vegas because Lehigh was going to charge them with bigamy, uh, which was a crime back then. And now it's not a felony anymore instead of Utah finally, but it's still a misdemeanor and it's just stupid. But anyway, but our friends actually live in their house with his two wives and uh, his brother and his brother's wife and kids. So it's an awesome house, and we love going there and just visiting with them. But they actually have uh, an academy where they do the meetings at. So it, it's in Lehigh, and we're going to go to it on um, Saturday. or I mean, it's Sunday. And the guy who's coming to speak is from Texas, and he's a Hebrew scholar. And he's going to be talking about recent discoveries of Hebrew New Testament Not translations, but original manuscripts that are dated back to the 1st century A.D. The scriptures, we have them and they're in Greek, but that's not the originals. The originals were written in Hebrew and they're being discovered. And the Vatican actually opened up its archives to a certain number of individuals like Nehemia Gordon, who's awesome. Anyway, but this guy, he's been on Michael Rood's program. And so one interesting connection between me and Michael Rood, we used to both work for CFI out of Joplin, Missouri. He was a truck driver, and I was a truck driver at the same time. And we would get into arguments about the gospel because we would uh, be at the driver's lounge, and I'd be like, oh, there he is. And we I'd go talk, and he didn't, look, he didn't look like he looks now. He's all got white hair and a big beard and all of that. He had coloring back then, <laughs> but uh, Michael Rood and I used to get in, into arguments before he started doing his program. Now, if you don't know who Michael Rood is, look him up on YouTube. He is awesome, but he drives me insane, but I still love listening to him. Um, and his name is Michael and then R-O-O-D. Go check him out. But this guy who's coming to speak to us, he's been on Michael Rood's program several times talking about these awesome discoveries of the Hebrew New Testament translations dated or not translations. They're dated back to the first century. And they're awesome. And well, I'm just going to say they're awesome. I love I love this stuff. So we're going to go to that. I'm so excited because I don't usually get Sunday night off. And I worked it out with my boss to where I could have Sunday night off. So we're going to it anyway so so thankful for that so uh if you're interested but you there's a limited number of seats um i don't know if they're all filled up but we have two uh two tickets for kim and i and we'll be there with with kevin kraut is going to go and beverly and uh the Ericsons and a whole bunch of other people that i love mingling with and just talking to and they're awesome people and i love it so uh, but, if you want to attend, attend this, it'll be on Zoom, and I might be able to record it and then upload it to YouTube. But like I said i 've having problems uploading my videos to YouTube. I uploaded some from um, the concert uh, Peter Brianhallt that I used to go or that that I went to with Kim a week or two ago i guess it 's been almost two weeks um, but they 're short clips. They're like three minutes long, five minutes long, six minutes long. And I wasn't even able to get all of them to upload to YouTube. And they're in unlisted videos, so if you want them. I mean, I posted some of the videos on on Facebook. But you probably can't find those videos just by searching on my page on YouTube because I made them unlisted because I don't want them to get um, screwed up. But I want them for myself because I love Peter Brian Holt is my favorite and I love his voice and I have a special connection with him as well and in fact he said when I talked to him at the con- after the concert he's like I remember you so that's awesome but we used to when he was just getting started in singing and stuff he used to sing at the University of Utah in the Institute and we used to go me and my ex-wife Uh, We were just dating at the time. We used to go to a bunch of his concerts and it was fun. But um, but I wanted to to have those uh, those videos and keep them for myself. But I use YouTube to kind of like a cloud so I can save certain videos. So on my channel, you'll even see some of my videos are just stuff that me and my family's doing, you know, and some of them I'll be like, okay, I'm going to unless this. But some of them I make available to the public just because I think they're cute. Like my daughter who wanted a cookie when she was like three years old, and she's all, "But dad, I want a cookie." And I said, "But Amberly, dinner's done. We have to go eat chicken and mashed potatoes and green bean." And he's, she's all, "But dad!" And it's the cutest video, and I've made it available for people to watch on my channel on YouTube. But you know, things like that. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I think people would get a kick out of it. But then other videos, I'm like, I just want to keep this for myself. So I enlist them. So anyway, um, so yeah, check out the Zarahemla Foundation on YouTube. They have a page, not on YouTube, on Facebook. They have a page and you can find more information and go to their monthly meetings. They hold multiple meetings, sometimes multiple. Sometimes it's only once a month. But and I usually can't go to them because I'm so busy all the time, but I am excited to be able to go to this meeting. So I'm happy about that, and we get to do that on Sunday. It starts at 3 p.m. for the pre-meeting, and then the main presentation starts at 6 or 7. And I think we're going to have a potluck uh, dinner there as well. So. And, uh, but there's limited seating and I'm lucky enough to get a seat with my wife and, uh, the rest of everybody's just going to have to watch it on zoom, I think. And like I said, there's a link where you can get, um, for $5, which is not a lot, just helps cover some of the expenses, um, to watch this presentation. So pretty happy about that. Anyway, I'll, uh. Offer the prayer, and Emmett, I do need some food to go with me. So, if you could take care of that, that would be grateful. Also, I will run the studio from this point out to do the music after the prayer, so you don't have to worry about that. Okay. Let me see here. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank thee, Father, for all of our many blessings and for the time that we're able to take to set apart and consecrate unto thee for the studying uh, and pondering the scriptures and the keys of the priesthood. We thank thee for the opportunity to go forth to a worldwide audience that will hear these things and consider these things for themselves that they might have something to come to thee to get revelation about and confirmation of the Spirit. We love thee, Father, and we say these things in the name of Yeshua, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.